0: In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Chuck Colson was one of the key advisors to President Nixon. He was a driven, cutthroat strategist, and was referred to as Nixon's hatchet man. Chuck Colson was the principal strategist behind the 1972 re-election of Richard Nixon. Colson was hardworking, constantly working, he was driven, and the magnitude by which Nixon won that 72 reelection was a testament in large part to Chuck Colson's drive and intellect and political savvy and insight. And yet, and yet, Chuck later said, when the 1972 re-election was over, I should have been absolutely on top of the world, but instead I found myself staring out of my office window thinking, so what? I was ready to go back to my law firm where I was going to be making a fortune, literally the equivalent of $3 million a year, and I felt dead, really dead," Chuck Colson said. We live in a culture that tells us we, we need to keep going, we need to keep moving forward, we need to keep fighting for more and more. How many of you have heard someone say something like, I'll sleep when I'm dead? In other words, No time to slow down, no time to listen, no time to hear that still, small voice that calls to us. Our culture puts a premium on achievement and success and fulfillment even of our selfish ambitions. But even if we accomplish all of this, there's a danger that we might end up feeling dead, really dead. And the truth is, the world today is not that different than it was 2,000 or even 3,000 years ago. I suspect that Moses felt similar cultural pressures. You certainly remember his story, how he was rescued from a basket by the Pharaoh's daughter and who raised him as her son. He grew up into a young man, and he certainly felt these same pressures to be constantly charging ahead and achieving and fixing, no time for stopping or slowing down or contemplating. And as a young man, Moses became angry and impulsive and belligerent. And by the time he saw an Egyptian soldier beating a Hebrew man, he acted impulsively and killed the soldier. He didn't know what to do, so he hid the body. And when the Pharaoh heard, out, heard about this act of murder, he sentenced Moses to death. So Moses fled from Egypt and went to Midian. You see, there's a danger in just charging ahead with ever, without ever slowing down and to reflect on what we want our lives to look like, on the sort of values we want to embody on the sort of actions that we think would better the world. Chuck Colson certainly never slowed down while serving as the special counsel to the president. But after the 72 re-election as he prepared to transition out of his government job and go back into the private sector, he drove out to Virginia one evening to see his old friend, Tom Phillips, the CEO of Raytheon. Chuck remembered Tom, who he hadn't seen in a few years, as an aggressive, uncompromising, driven businessman. But when Chuck arrived at Tom's home and they began to talk over dinner, it quickly became clear that Tom was somehow very different than Chuck remembered him being. The change was so striking that Chuck asked Tom about it. And Tom responded very directly, I've accepted Jesus Christ and committed my life to him. Now this took Chuck totally aback. He didn't know how to respond to this or what to say. But sitting on on his front porch that evening, Tom talked about his faith. He talked about the purpose and the peace and the perspective that it brought to his life. As Chuck was driving back into D.C. that evening, he began to think about what his friend Tom had said, and he began to think about the direction his own life had taken. And as he later recounted in his autobiography, he suddenly found that he couldn't see the road in front of him because tears were running down his eyes so thickly that he had to pull to the side of the road to to remain safe. And there he spent an hour searching for God and calling out to God and praying to God. For the first time, Chuck Colson stopped for long enough to think about that great trade-off that confronts so many of us. Are we going to pursue what we want, wealth or fame or respect, or will we instead focus on listening to God and what God wants? even if that leads to obscurity or diminished influence or less wealth than we could have otherwise possessed. Years later, Chuck would reflect back on that night on the side of the road and say that for the first time, I met Jesus. After Moses fled from Egypt, he found himself living in Midian, And there he became a shepherd. And there he was forced to slow down. He couldn't move any faster than his sheep could literally move as they were grazing. And it seemed like his personality began to change a little bit. While caring for sheep one day, he saw a bush that was on fire. But he didn't rush by this bush, instead he slowed down long enough to notice something unusual. The bush was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And because he slowed down, he was able to hear God's voice out of this bush. Eventually, Moses was called to go back into Egypt and then to lead the Israelites out into the wilderness, out of their bondage. And that's where we encounter Moses in the reading today when God calls Moses to go up this mountain to get these stone tablets on which the law will be inscribed. So Moses goes up the mountain, and I don't want you to miss this detail. For six days on the mountain, nothing happens. Moses just waits. It's not until the seventh day that God appears and begins to speak to Moses. And it takes a full 40 days and 40 nights before Moses finally comes down the mountain. The Israelites have certainly been waiting this whole time. Eventually Moses leads them to the promised land. But here's the key. Before Moses could do anything great, he first needed to learn slow down here's a little insider perspective on preaching I'm convinced that if there's a message I really need to hear there are probably some other people who need to hear this same message and my confession is I am NOT good at slowing down I'm preaching the sermon maybe to myself as much as I'm preaching it to you if you look at my to-do list, it's kind of built with the assumption that I have at least 120 hours a week that I can dedicate to it every week. And the problem of, of, being, of being so bad at slowing down is that when we find there's something we're moderately good at, it gets exacerbated. If, if you see, for example, that your hard work yields Good results, it's easy to start thinking that harder work will yield even better results. And taken to its extreme, this is not a healthy way to live. I suspect that Peter, the disciple of Jesus, probably had similar tendencies towards overwork. When Jesus first met Peter, do you remember what Peter was doing? He was fishing, he was working. And after the crucifixion, when when the disciples think they won't see Jesus again, do you remember what Peter starts doing? He starts fishing again. He goes back to work. And in the gospel reading that we heard today, when Peter saw Jesus transfigured, literally shining with the light and the love of God, and Moses on one side, the culmination of the law, and Elijah on the other, the culmination of the prophets, Peter doesn't stop to marvel at this holy encounter. Instead, Peter, in short, says, I've got a nail gun here, and I can go down to Lowe's and get some plywood, and you all can enjoy this profound and holy experience, but I'm going to get to work, I don't know, building some huts or something. Peter was not good at slowing down. And again, many of us have this same flaw. I know that I do, I'd much rather be doing something than sitting still. About a year and a half ago, my wife asked me if we could go on a spiritual retreat together. And I said to her, it's not a silent retreat, right? (laughs) And she said, I've read through all the promotional material, and I'm pretty sure I didn't hear anything about silence. So we went, and, and the first day we, we sat down with a group of people, and the priest said, I'm so glad you all have joined us for this silent retreat. <laughs> now, I don't mean to throw Mary under the bus, because she didn't know that it was going to be a silent retreat. She wasn't misleading me. And frankly, I really enjoyed this retreat. But my point is that for many of us, myself included, It can be extraordinarily difficult to slow down or to sit in silence or to take a little break from all our busyness and chaos. Peter struggled with this also. So as Peter was laying out his plan to build these huts, a voice came from heaven and said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen. Listen to him. In other words, stop speaking, stop rushing, stop planning, stop acting, just listen. Just a few weeks ago, I was in a meeting with a couple of the other clergy and staff when we began to hear the cathedral bells ringing, serving as a reminder that all of us were late for our next meeting. So someone looked at Deacon Sandra and said, can you pray for us uh, quickly? And Deacon Sandra began to pray. She said, dear God, in this busy world, help us to slow down. Help us to slow down. In the wake of Chuck Colson's transformational conversion, he had only a few months to slow down before the infamous Watergate investigation was in full swing, and Chuck discovered that he was one of the primary targets of this investigation. So Chuck sprung into gear, and he hired lawyers, and he began to prepare a defense. In short, he began to rush and to plan and to act. He prepared to obfuscate and conceal and deny, until one evening when Chuck realized he couldn't be a good witness for his newly found faith if he had to spend his days dancing and dodging around the truth. Therefore, against advice from his lawyers and against advice from family and friends, Chuck went to the, to, the, to the prosecutors and confessed his role in Watergate, confessed his crimes, and he was given a sentence of one to three years in prison. And while in prison, he was forced to slow down. He began to lead Bible studies. He began to offer counsel and perspective to other prisoners. And during this time, he began to hear what God was calling him to do with the rest of his life. Upon his release from prison, Chuck Colson founded an organization called Prison Fellowship, an organization that exists to this day. This organization is one of the largest organizations in the world caring for prisoners and their families, now serving people in over a 100 countries around the world. You see, the great paradox is that while Chuck, while Chuck Colson certainly was not a perfect man, he achieved so much, and he cared for so many people who were imprisoned by first slowing down and surrendering. And finding that time for silence in his life. So what does this mean for you and me? Chuck Colson went to jail where he was confined to a cell and his freedom was taken away. But because he was forced to slow down, he heard God's plan for his life. And Moses fled to Midian where he became a shepherd. Now that was not a fun job, stepping in sheep poop and sleeping out in the cold. But because he was forced to slow down, he heard God's call. And Paul, while at the transfiguration of Jesus, this holy moment said, let me get my hammer and some two-by-fours, until God's voice interrupted him and told him to listen to Jesus. Listen to him. Slow down, hear God's plans. And we're called to do the same thing, to slow down and to listen for God's directions in our lives. Chuck Colson went on to use his intellect and drive instead of protecting the reputation of presidents to protect the rights of prisoners. And Moses took his passion but instead of violently confronting a soldier, began to boldly confront the injustices of the pharaoh. And Peter took his ambition, and instead of fishing from a boat and building the foundation of some huts, became a fisher of people and began building the foundation of the church, the rock of the church. You see, we're not called to take the gifts we've been given and discard them or throw them to the side, not even throwing aside or our ambition or our intellect or our drive, but we are called to stop long enough, to pause frequently enough that we can hear how God is calling us to use the gifts we've been given to share God's love, to serve God's people, and to glorify God in all we do. Amen.